This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to continue with Matthew chapter 15. And as we've learned time and time again, all through, we see this a lot through uh, the book of Matthew, how Jesus, if you allow me to use this term, has been sparring with the Pharisees. Now I don't mean as in punching, but I, I mean that they come, they come at him with, uh, you know, guns a-blazing. And they're trying to question him. They're trying to trip him up. To they're they're trying to show to the people that he is not who he says he is. But yet we all know that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Son of Man. He is the Messiah. He is God's Son. And and these Pharisees are just trying everything they can uh, to disprove that. And so uh, they go at it once again, trying to trip Jesus up at the beginning of Matthew chapter fifteen. And we covered that in the last podcast, but. Uh, after this time, Jesus decides to get out of the area and go somewhere else. And Matthew tells us in, in verse 21 and 22 that Jesus left Galilee and he goes north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And when he gets there, Matthew says that a Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Now, <clears throat> In the United States in 2023, we read this in our world, in our culture today, and we don't think a thing about it. We just read it and move right on past it. But I want us to, to, to camp out at this introduction of this woman that Matthew gives us just for a few minutes um, because it, it's, it means a whole lot more if you go back to their culture, which is the way we're supposed to read the Bible and uh, to begin with. Um, you know, in our culture, in our day and time, we just see this woman who is coming to Jesus on behalf of her daughter uh, because you know, like any good mom would be, uh, she's tired of seeing her daughter tortured by these demons and she knows that Jesus can take care of the situation. And if you have children uh, and, and you love your children, and you care about your children, you can understand what this woman is dealing with. Uh, uh, but And there's a lot that's going on in just right here in the introduction of this lady. Uh, so let's don't blow through this. Let's talk about it just for a few minutes. And the first thing that I want to point out is this woman's a Gentile. Gentiles and Jews did not like each other. The Jews really if you want to use the word hated, uh, they very disliked uh, the Gentiles and the gen- and vice versa. The Gentiles did not like the Jews. And if you think about it, the Jews were God's chosen people that started all the way back in that co- with that covenant made with Abraham, that God made with Abraham to start the Jewish race. And, and God told Abraham that he would be a father of many nations. And, and we know that he was. Uh, and so the, the Jews take off from there. But all throughout the Old Testament, they are God's chosen people. God says that they are the apple of his eye, his choicest vine, if you will. And so if you're not a Jew, it doesn't matter what race you are. If you're not a Jew, you are a Gentile. And, and the Jews look down 
on the Gentiles. And the Gentiles knew that they were inferior uh, to the Jews when it came uh, to God because God had chosen uh, the Jews and he always helped the Jews, whether it be in wars or whatever, anything that they were facing, God was always on the side of the Jews. And so this this caused a lot of friction between the Jews and the Gentiles. <clears throat> Excuse me. But to to a Jew, a Gentile was lower on the scale, if you will. Uh, but not only is this woman a Gentile, she is also, what I just said, a woman. And in our culture, in our day and time, especially here in the United States in 2023, we have women who are fighting for equal rights. And this, you know, and this all started way back, it, it, uh, I think it was in World War II, is that when uh, Rosie the Riveter, uh, it's when the women had to go to work while their husbands were overseas uh, fighting in a war. And, and from that point on, women, you know, decided, hey, we want we want to be seen as equals. We want to have equal rights. We want to have equal pay. And and and, and so their, their social status then has, has been elevated, if you will. And, and, and women, especially in our day and time, are, they're feeling more powerful. But I'm just going to give you a warning, though. If you go outside the United States, it, it, it's not like that. It, it, it's really just here in the United States and maybe a few other places. But the United States is really pushing this. Uh, and the women that are in the United States are pushing for this equal rights and equal pay and all this kind of stuff and, and want to be uh, powerful, if you will. But uh, uh, in, in Jesus' day and time, when he was walking on the earth and when Matthew was writing this letter, <clears throat> it, it was a totally different culture when it came uh, to women. And, and I hate to put it this way, but it's really... Uh, really, the truth is that women were basically used for procreation, that you know, to have to have sex with and, and to have babies, and to take care of the home. Uh, women could not testify in court um, because they they were not allowed to even be a witness. No matter what they saw, they could not be a witness. You could not, if you got in trouble with the law, you could not. Uh, use a woman as an alibi or as a witness to to prosecute a case because their testimony would not hold up in the court of law. Um, To help you understand the way the culture was back then with women, look at shepherds. Shepherds were considered unclean and they could not, as well as women, they could not testify in court. And what's really interesting to me is how God used shepherds to announce or to testify, if you will, about the birth of his son Jesus. <clears throat> if you remember when Jesus was born and the angels showed up in, uh, in, to the, the shepherds who were out in the field watching their, 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 their flocks at night, and the angel announces the birth of Jesus, and all of a sudden this ho- heavenly host of angels show up and they start singing praises to God, and then the shepherds take off, and they see the baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes. So it, it was shepherds who first announced the birth of Jesus, and they went off and told people about the birth of the Messiah. <clears throat> and then you have the resurrection when Jesus come out of the tomb after being crucified on a cross and being buried for three days. On the third day, he comes out of the tomb alive. 
the first person to, to have a conversation with Jesus was a woman. And, and the first person to proclaim that Jesus is alive, because Jesus told Mary, he says, go and tell the rest of the brethren that, that I'm alive and well, and I'm about to send to my father and to their father. Uh, and so she runs and she tells the others and, and Peter and John come running to the grave and, and the Bible says that they, then they believed. They, they saw that the tomb was empty and then they believed. And in my opinion, it's not that they believed that Jesus was alive or, it, it, you know, Jesus would tell them over and over again that he was going to die and he would be resurrected. It's not, in my opinion, I don't believe that's what they, that, that they were believing in. I think they when when Mary came with this testimony, she was testifying to the fact that Jesus is alive. When Peter and John runs to that tomb and they see it empty, when it says that they believed, I think that they are saying that they believed Mary's testimony, that what she saw and who she had the conversation with was Jesus. Because you could not use a shepherd as a witness in the court of law. You could not use a woman. And uh, as a witness in the court of law, yet God used both of these to announce the birth of Jesus and to announce the resurrection of Jesus. He used the shepherds at the birth and he used a woman in the resurrection to tell the others that he is alive. And I'm just going to tell you this. <clears throat> if, if I was a woman in 2023, I would be turning to Jesus quickly because it was Jesus who elevated women and the, the social status and the power uh, of women because there he he gave women opportunities to serve in his ministry and even uh, and we know this from the book of Luke there's passage I just had a conversation yesterday with a friend of mine about this because if you ever watch the chosen they bring this out about how yes Jesus had uh, these 12 men that followed him but there was also women that supported his ministry and they also supported him financially they did all kinds of things for Jesus and his disciples they 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 were with the crowd and even when Jesus ascends back to the father in Acts chapter 1 and, and we see the 120 that is in the upper room there's women mentioned in that passage uh, when uh, the the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter two and the church begins, uh, as the church begins to grow, there are women. Uh, well, you have like Philip's daughters. He had four daughters who prophesied. There are women who had churches in their homes, and Paul mentions these uh, in several different places in his in his writings. So, uh, when it comes to Jesus and in their culture, it was Jesus who really elevated, if you will, the status of women and gave them power and gave them authority and, and really lifted up women, showing them that, hey, there, there are more to women than, than what my culture is showing. Uh, women have importance. So I don't understand why people want to fight against Jesus today, especially women, women who are looking for power and prestige and, and equal uh, rights and equal uh, pay, you know, equality. Uh, it looks to me like they would be turning to Jesus because Jesus was the one who gave them that, even way back in His culture, and we still see it in the church today. Uh, many times, I've said, if it wasn't for women, the ch uh, so many churches would close their doors because we can't get men uh, hardly to do anything. You know, we beg and plead, and it's the women who step up. And, and, and do a lot of stuff in the churches in, in, when it should be the men. But women have stepped up in their roles and, and, and do a lot of stuff 
in the church today. So, women turn to Jesus, but that's not the point of the podcast. Uh, so we have Jesus coming into this town of Tyre, this region of Tyre and Sidon. He's met by this Gentile woman, uh, someone that he had absolutely no business talking to or even having any kind of interaction with. But she came to him, and just as Jesus always does, as we've seen all throughout the book of Matthew, when somebody comes to him, he meets their needs. You know, crowd after crowd after crowd comes to Jesus, and he meets their needs. And it's not going to be any different in this situation with this Gentile woman. But it's kind of sketchy at first, and we're going to get into that. But before we get in too deep, I want to give you another interesting fact uh, uh, about this story. It is that Jesus, remember, he had told his disciples, when he sent them out two by two, he had told them to only go to the Jews, to preach to the, that the kingdom of God has come to the Jews and work miracles uh, and show the Jews that, that the time has come. And, and so um, Jesus says, you know, there's going to be a time when the Gentiles are going to be welcomed but his primary focus was on the Jews. And here's this Gentile woman who's heard about Jesus at some point. Some, somehow, some way, somebody has told her that Jesus is working these miracles and all these things that Jesus is doing. And, and, and so uh, this woman who is very desperate because of her situation with her daughter, she knows that Jesus is her only hope, that Jesus is her hope. And she knows that if, if she could just have a conversation with Jesus, if she could just show Jesus her faith in him, even as a Gentile, that Jesus would heal her daughter and set her daughter free from these demons that torture her day in and day out. And, and this woman is not, this Gentile woman is not going to allow barriers, uh, barriers of any kind to keep her away from her hope who is Jesus. But you know what? We do that all the time, even today, men and women. We look for reasons not to come to Jesus. We look for reasons of all kinds not to share Jesus with others. And and and, and we we it's like we're not desperate enough for something like this woman was. We we don't understand that Jesus is really our only hope. And 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 so we we look for all of these excuses not to come to Jesus. When he ought to be our first option, we make him our last option. When we hit what we call rock bottom and we're in desperation, then we might call out to Jesus or run to Jesus. But he ought to be our very first option to run to and and, and ask uh, for help. But many times we just we just don't do that. But this woman she she knew she heard about Jesus she knew Jesus was in her area, and she knew that she had to get to Jesus on behalf of her daughter. And she was desperate, and this was her opportunity. And so she comes, and she finds Jesus, and, and there's Jesus, and he's surrounded with his disciples, right? And so the first thing that she does, she's, she comes up to Jesus, and she acknowledges who Jesus is. She says, "'Have mercy on me, O Lord.'" son of david so in other words she's saying jesus i know who you are you are a jew and i know who i am i am a gentile woman 
She is also saying uh, that she acknowledges that Jesus is the Messiah because she knows the lineage of the Messiah, that he will be born through the lineage of David. And so she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. In other words, I know who you are. You are the Messiah. And she also acknowledges that Jesus is the giver of mercy and has the power to change her daughter's situation. That's why she cries out, have mercy on me. And so she's saying that on behalf of her daughter because she knows that Jesus has the power to change her daughter's situation, to cast out those demons and to set her free. So so basically what we see in the beginning of this is this Gentile woman comes up to Jesus and shows humility. It's a beautiful picture of humility. She is humbling herself. She is submitting herself and her needs to Jesus and she's saying look I'm desperate and you are my only hope and I am I am I am humbling myself and I am coming to you on behalf of my daughter and asking you to please help my daughter um and this is a great lesson uh for not only women today but also us as men because it's hard for us it's it's hard for people in general to ask for help but men especially because we want to think that we're in control and that we can handle anything that comes our way because we're men we're strong men and we think that we can handle it on our own and we don't need anybody's help but once you're desperate you know things kind of change but this woman she knew that Jesus was her only hope, that he was the only one that could help her situation. And she knew that this was her opportunity because Jesus is in her area and she's going to go for it. And she's going to plead her case before Jesus. But the thing is, she doesn't get the response that she was hoping for at first. She comes up to Jesus. She pleads her case to Jesus She's telling Jesus, I know who you are. You can do this. You are the Messiah. Have mercy on me. And Matthew says, Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. And when they said, tell her to go away, she is bothering us with all her begging. Now, especially you women, put put yourself in, in this woman's shoes. She is a loving mother who loves her daughter very much. And if you have children, if you are a mother, you, you, you can feel what this woman is feeling because nobody likes to see their, their child hurt. Because what I was saying a while ago, when, when, when we can control things, we're, we're, we're okay, especially as men. But when something happens to one of your children and, and you see them in pain and, and you can't help them, it's the most helpless feeling in, 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 that you can have. Uh, we've had situations with our children, like with my son having epilepsy when he was uh, 5 years old to 12 years old, and he would have these grandma seizures, and, and it, it, it was the, just the most terrible thing to watch. And, and, and you wanted to help, but, but there's nothing you can do. And, and, and it was only until, you know, they controlled it with medication, but he would still have seizures. And, and, and not until he was 12 years old did he grow out of it. And, and, and it was just, it was scary. So some of you out there listening to this podcast, you know what I'm talking about. There's situations that you have faced 
with your kids or, or with your family or somebody in your family that's just out of your hands and out of your control. And, and, you, and you know, it's like, okay, I'm desperate. I've got to have help because I can't do this. I can't fix this. And so, God, I, I need you. And, and that's, the, that's where this woman is at. She knows that her hope, her only hope is standing right in front of her eyes. And, and, and so she gives her uh, plea to Jesus to help her daughter. Uh, and yet Jesus doesn't say anything. He, he, he just stays silent. And it's like you just hear the, the, the crickets chirping. You just get silence. And you're like, you know, you know my situation you, you see the pain on my face. You can hear the anguish coming from my lips, from my voice. And, and you're not going to see, you're not going to say anything. Don't you see how desperate that I am here? And it's just crickets. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been so desperate. Maybe you've hit rock bottom and, and you cried out to God to fix this situation, to help Get me out of this situation or get me through this. Do something about this because it, it's just overwhelming. I cannot take it anymore. And and it's just crickets. God seems like he doesn't care. And yet you beg, you cry, you plead, and it, you're just and you're desperate. You're in so much pain and so much anguish, and yet it's just crickets chirping. Nothing but silence. I hate silence. I sleep with the radio on. I sleep with music playing in the background. I sleep with the TV on. Uh, I, I've done that my whole life, all the way back into my childhood. I, I've always slept uh, with some kind of music on, some kind of noise, a fan or something. I, even If you see me today, uh, nine times out of ten, I will have an earbud in my ear where I'm listening to either podcasts or I'm listening to music because I don't like silence. And when I'm crying out to God for a situation that I'm going through, I don't want to hear silence. I want to hear God saying, hey, it's going to be okay. I'm with you. I'm going to do something about this situation. But many times when we find ourselves in a desperate situation and we go running to God, He's not just going to automatically do something about the situation. And if you haven't seen episode seven and eight of season three of The Chosen, I, I'm not going to spoil that for you. But that's exactly what they cover <laughs> is situations like that. Because there's many people under the sound of my voice who deal with stuff like this all the time. And they see God blessing other people. They see God helping people, other people in, with their situations. But yet he's silent in their situations. And 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 far too often they get discouraged and they, and they give up on on God, and, and and I think that's one of the reasons why we have this story in the book of Matthew because it encourages us to 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 not give up and to keep going and to keep trusting God that He will take care of the situation. And that's exactly what He does for this woman, because this woman she goes running to Jesus, she cries out to, to Jesus, she explains to Him, "Yeah, I know who you are. I know you're the Messiah. I know that I'm a Gentile woman." Uh, but but my daughter desperately needs you, and, and you're the only one who could fix my situation. And the only thing that she gets from Jesus is silence. But not only does this woman get silence from Jesus, she's got his disciples over here 
clapping back saying, get rid of this woman. She's getting on our nerves. We're tired of hearing her begging. See, we can see the situation. We can see the desperation that this woman has. And, and, and the sad thing about the disciples is they had the power to cast out demons. They've been doing it. But they, they are going to discard this woman, first of all, because she's a Gentile and also because she's a woman. They, they don't want to mess with her because, hey, she's a Gentile. She's lower on, on the social ladder. And so we can easily bash these, these disciples because they, they can meet this woman's needs, but they decide to discard her, to get rid of her. And they want Jesus to do the same. Just tell her to go home, Jesus. But before we go off on these disciples too hard, we need to look at ourselves because we do the same thing all the time. We, we have the means to meet people's needs and we know people who have needs, but yet for whatever reason, we decide not to do anything for those people. We do not meet their needs. And, and, and one of the reasons why I think that is, is, is just like these disciples. They, they discarded this woman just because of who she is and what she is. She's a Gentile woman. And Jews, we're here for the Jews. Therefore, we don't have time for, for you Gentile woman. Go on home and go on back to where you come from. But we do this all the time. We, we look at people and we immediately put them in some kind of context. And, 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 and in our minds, we put them in this compartment. And if we don't associate with that compartment, the people that we put in this compartment, then we just write them off. It doesn't matter what kind of need they have. It don't. It doesn't matter how desperate they are, if they don't look like us, talk like us, wear the right kind of clothes, or, or whatever. Fill in the blank with whatever. If they don't meet a certain standard, then we don't deal with those people. We don't help them, no matter how desperate they are. Somebody else can take care of their situation. That's exactly what the disciples are doing here. They want to discard this lady and and just get rid of her. And so Jesus decides to speak up. And and the the bad thing is when he does speak up, it seems as though he is agreeing with the disciples, because Jesus says to the woman in verse twenty four, he says, "I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel." Well, I mean that's a strike against her because she's a Gentile, and it's like Jesus saying, "Look, I I came to help the Gen the, the the Jews, not the Gentiles," and so this would be very discouraging for this woman. But as we're going to see, she's not going to give up on hope because this is her chance. This was her only chance to have her daughter set free from uh, this these demons that torture her day in and day out. And she's not going to give up that easy. And so Matthew says in verse 25, the woman came again to Jesus, worshiping him and pleading again Lord, help me. In other words, I don't care what your disciples are saying. I'm not going away. I'm going to continue doing this until I get what I came here to get. And that's healing for my daughter. But this word for worshiped him, when she is basically, it's proskuneo in the Greek, and she's basically falling prostrate before Jesus. She's on her knees and she's bowing before Jesus. The word literally means to kiss the hand, like a dog licks your hand. Um, and so this woman is, is, is showing humility, but she's also showing reverence 
to Jesus and she's crying out, listen, Jesus, you are the only one who can change my situation. You are the only one who can help my daughter. And I'm begging you with all that I have to please take care of this situation and heal my daughter. Now, you would think that this would move Jesus to action, but it doesn't. This woman, has, even though she's a Gentile and even though she's a woman, she's done all the right things. She came to the right person. She came to the right place. She's, she's saying all the right things. She's doing all the right things. She's consistently begging. She's not going away. She's pleading her case for her daughter. She's, so that's intercession is what we would call that. And even though she was being discouraged by others, which would be the disciples, she continues with her quest. And so Jesus is going to respond to her in verse 26. And he says, it's not right, to, which is, again, it sounds like he's agreeing with the disciples, and he's about to just tell this woman to go away. He says, it's not right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. And so now we, we've got, this woman's probably crying, tears are flowing, begging Jesus, which it's not enough to persuade Jesus to act. Her desperate pleas on behalf of her daughter, have mercy on me. It's not enough to move Jesus to act. And so he literally calls her a dog. And Jesus said, you're not worth feeding. That, that's derogatory. That This woman, this Gentile woman, she's not worth taking food from the children who are the least at the dinner table because they're so young. They're, they're just kids. But you're not worth taking the food from the children who are the least at the table, and giving it to the dogs. And that still would not discourage the woman enough to where she would go home. She was still persistent, and she would not be denied of what she came to Jesus for, and that's a healing for her daughter. So instead of being discouraged, instead of giving up and just going home, she comes back to Jesus with these words in verse 27. I love this. And she says, that's true, Lord. She's not denying it. Yes, I'm a Gentile. Yes, I'm a woman. But you know what, Lord? Even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. That's, a, that's, that's an awesome statement. If you have dogs, you, 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 you can picture this in your mind very clearly. You're, the dogs, they sit around your table or wherever you eat at, in the living room, you know, wherever you eat. And the, you're, if you have dogs, they just sit around and they're waiting for you to take a bite and for that crumb to fall off and go down your clothing and, and hit the floor just so they can pounce on it and, and, and gobble it up because they act like they're starving to death even though you just fed them just a few minutes ago, right? So... This woman does something that we don't see very much today because, you know, we want the equal rights and we want power and we want authority. We want to be recognized, right? But this woman, she acknowledges, hey, I'm nothing significant. I, I know I'm a Gentile. I know you've come for the, the Jews. I know you're the Jewish Messiah. I, I, I know I'm a woman. I don't, I, but you know what? I, I deserve to be honored and to be taken care of. I deserve a, a, a crumb, even though I'm a dog. You know, when, when a crumb falls from the master's table, the, the master doesn't shoo away the dogs and tell them to, to go on, and he's going to pick up the crumb and eat it. No, the, when the crumb falls from the master's table, Jesus, 
the master allows the dog to come over and eat the crumb. And, and, and look, I know who I am, and I know who you are. I'm acknowledging that. But I deserve a crumb that falls from the master's table. Who thinks like that? Not very many people at all. Because, you know, we want the full banquet. We don't want a crumb. We we want filet mignon with all the trimmings because that, that's what we deserve. We deserve the very best. We don't deserve crumbs. We deserve a full meal with all the trimmings, the best of everything. That, that's what we think in our heads. We, we don't think like this Gentile woman does that just wants a crumb that falls from the master's table. Yes, I'm a dog, but I'm going to eat that crumb as soon as it falls. No, we don't want crumbs. We want the full course meal because that's what we deserve. We don't deserve anything. We don't deserve anything from God but because he loves us. He gave us Jesus. We don't deserve Jesus. We deserve hell. We, we, we killed the Son of God. And it was because of our sin that God had to put on flesh and, and, and live a, a sinless life and to be crucified a, a very horrible death, painful death on the cross and be put in that tomb for three days and then to be resurrected. It was because of us. And we don't deserve anything, but because of God's grace and his mercy, he gives it to us. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. See, we don't do the five-second rule because, hey, we're too good for that. But not this woman. She wanted those crumbs. She was desperate. And desperate people do desperate things. And she said, Lord, just give me a crumb and that's going to be good enough. And this reply from this woman, this Gentile woman, it just absolutely blew Jesus away. Because he says to her, he says, dear woman, your faith is great. Your request is is granted and Matthew says that her daughter was healed instantly. So think about this. All the begging, all the pleading, all the tears, the worshiping, it it wasn't what moved Jesus to action. What did move Jesus to action to heal her daughter was this woman's faith. And how many times has Jesus covered this with his disciples and with the crowds that he's teaching? There's nothing wrong with all that other stuff. There's nothing wrong with praise and adoration to God. There's nothing wrong with telling God that we have these needs. In fact, fact, he he tells us to do that. But if we want to move the heart of God and get him to fix our, and I'm doing that in quotations, uh, if we want God's help in, in whatever we're going through in our lives, if we're in a moment of desperation, if we're at rock bottom, if you will, and we want God to help our situation, we have to have faith. Hebrews 11, uh, 11, 6, and we've covered the book of Hebrews in previous podcasts. You can go back and listen to that sometime when you have time. You'll enjoy it. Good study. But Hebrews eleven six says, it's impossible. It is impossible to please God without faith if you want to please god if you want god to move on your behalf you got to have faith in him and he goes on to say anyone who wants to come to god must believe that he exists and that he rewards rewards those who sincerely seek him so we get we we've got to seek god and that's what this woman was doing and she was showing her faith in jesus that he could take care of the situation and she was persistent 
with her faith. So if we want uh, if we want to be pleasing to God, and it takes faith to be pleasing to God, then what's faith? Well, we have the answer in Hebrews 11.1, 1, just a few verses before. It says, Now if faith is confidence in what we hope for, and faith is the assurance about what we do not see. In other words, we must have the confidence that God can take care of us, that He can change our situation even when He doesn't answer immediately. Because God doesn't always just come to our rescue as soon as we cry out to Him. Because, you know, we've made bad choices or whatever reason it's gotten us into this desperate situation that we're in rock bottom or wherever we're at in life, but we're desperate. And uh, we decided that now we're going to call on God that because we're in this desperation uh, mode. Uh, God doesn't necessarily come to our rescue immediately. And far too often what people do is they get discouraged and they get upset with God. They get mad at God because he's not doing anything about it or it seems that he's not doing anything about it. And so they they just give up on God. They, they quit praying. They quit going to church. They quit doing anything. That, they quit reading their Bible. They quit doing all this stuff that has to do with God and they give up on God. But that's not what this woman did. She stayed the course. She would not take no for an answer. And she would not leave when the disciples were saying, look, get rid of this woman. Send her home. No, she was desperate. And she knew that Jesus was her only hope and that he could take care of her situation. And only he could. And she was not going to leave without getting what she came to Jesus for. So we got to have faith if we want to move the heart of God. We got to have the confidence that he can and will take care of us, that He will change our situation. And even when, you know, it may take a little time, we cannot give up. we got to keep, keep staying faithful. And we got to keep uh, coming to God and, and, and trusting in God. We must always be assured and not give up hope when there are crickets, when God is silent. Like this Gentile woman, we, we must continue to seek God, continue to plead, and continue to not doubt God. That's why James says don't mix faith and doubt. It doesn't work that way because if you mix faith with doubt, you're not going to get what you want. you got to have faith and just know and trust God that He's going to take care of it. we got to realize that Jesus is our hope, and without Him, we don't have any hope. We don't have anything. We may think we do. But we don't. And if you ever find yourself in a situation that you can't control and it's out of your hands and the only person you can rely on or put your faith in is God, that's a desperate situation. It's a scary situation. But we have to turn to God with faith. And that's the only thing that's going to please Him is our faith. And it is our faith that will move God to action. There is no other place, there is no other person that we can go to about our situation outside of God. I mean, where are you going to go outside of God? Yeah, you can get help for certain things, but only God can change people's hearts. Only God can deliver people. It's good to go to people when we need help. It's good to go to counselors. It's good to to share our needs with our friends and our family. Uh, you know, if it's something that they can help us with. But there are some situations that only God can fix. That only God can take care of. 
And don't wait. This is my encouragement to you. Don't wait until you find yourself in desperation at rock bottom. Don't make God your last choice. Make Him your first choice. Look, I know I, I've been in situations in my life that that uh, I've ran to God, and sometimes I waited uh, to the last thing to to run to God, and I'm in desperation, and I'm at rock bottom, and all I get is crickets. I know what it's like to be discouraged, and you, 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 you there's people out there who can help you, but they don't. They with they withhold their uh, their blessings, and they don't help you. And, and and you're crying out to God, and it's, it just seems like you get nothing but crickets. But don't give up. Keep going. Keep trusting God, because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And it was this woman's faith that moved Jesus to action. When he, when he said that about the dogs and the crumbs, and she come back and she said, Yeah, I may be a dog, but I deserve a crumb that falls from the master's table. It moved him. It moved him deeply in so much when he saw her faith, he immediately healed her daughter and she went home and her daughter was delivered and her daughter was now walking in freedom all because of her faith and all because she did not give up on Jesus when everybody around her was trying to discourage her from doing so. She stayed the course. She stayed faithful and God came through and he will do the same thing for you. Please, Hear me. Don't give up on God. I mean, where are you going to turn if you turn away from God? He's the only one that can save you. He's the only one that can wash your sins away. And that's why He sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. It's because He loves us and He cares for us. And and He wants to help us. But we have to have faith in him even when we can't see him even when it seems like he's not doing anything i promise you he is doing something and he wants us to trust him and his plan and that's what we want to encourage you to do to put your faith and your trust in god in his son jesus christ and if we can encourage you in any way if we can pray for you maybe you're at rock bottom maybe you're in desperation mode for whatever reason Email us at thegrindedpodcast at gmail.com and tell us uh, your concerns. Tell us your, uh, your needs, and we will try our best to meet those needs. And we will pray for you and lift you up to God uh, that He will come through, and, 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 uh, and He will come through as quickly as possible. Uh, but we want to encourage you and love on you if we can. And if we're not in your area, we will find somebody in your area that will that you can go to that you can talk to and that will they will encourage you to not give up but to keep grinding god bless you keep grinding thanks for listening to the grind it podcast if we could pray for you or encourage you in any way please email us at the grinded podcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824 if you're watching on youtube please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you, and remember, keep grinding.